What's up, everyone? This is Good Morning Liberty. We are live here at the Libertarian Party Tennessee State Convention in Manchester, Tennessee, having a great time. And we are sitting down right now with Dan Fishman, Executive Director of People for Liberty. Dan, I got to tell you real quick, you had our most popular episode last year. That episode we did at Freedom Fest killed it. I, I'm guessing it's because of the nudity. That was it. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Lucky for you guys, I'm ready again. Yeah. It's a libertarian convention, so what else are you going to do? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> what else did you expect? Well, you know, I, I think the thing about it was that, you know, we hit on a lot of really good topics. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about it is that a lot of times we'll have, we'll have liberty conversations that are so esoteric that people aren't really getting the feel of what you're talking about. Our topic was just, you know, three guys sitting around talking. Mm-hmm. And that's the element. That's what we need to do. And that's what we're sort of missing right now in a lot of our communication. Although we're drinking tea and water right now. That doesn't sound like, you know, three guys sitting around drinking tea and water. Yeah. That's a... They, 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 close, the they close the bar on us. Mm. So. Okay. Well, okay. So what's going on with People for Liberty right now? And then we got some libertarian stuff, you know, as far as the party goes that I want to... It's not a not a debate, but I want to know what's going on here between mm-hmm. different ideologies right now. I brought some tea. I am prepared to spill. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> there you go. Gen Z Dan. <laughs> so, uh, Did you bring receipts. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the people for liberty, uh, we ha- have had a great quarter. Uh, we are lucky enough to, at this point in time to be a funded libertarian non for profit. Uh, we completed two really big projects. The first one is a thing we're calling the call, the critically analyzed liberty list. Essentially, there are, there's a lot of studies that say 65% of Americans are libertarian in some way. They got at least one issue that they are. I want to find all those people. Right now, my current list is only 6 million people, but that's still a pretty good liberty list. I've been lucky to get donations from... Uh, presidential candidates, from statewide candidates, their donors, uh, stuff like that, from a lot of people who want to promote it. Given that list, now I want to find out more about what makes liberty people tick. If, I want to, if you are a liberty person, I want to know what your number one liberty issue is, and then I want to know what your number two liberty issue is. Because I want to know, when I find somebody in the, out in the public and they tell me that they're liberty on this issue, I see, let's say your number one liberty issue is school choice. My studies from based on the data that we're processing so far, so far, if school choice is your number one issue, your number two issue, what we call your adjacent liberty issue, is going to be occupational licensing. Because most people who have done school choice have gotten to a point where they want to hire a private person to come in and teach their, a class to their kids, and they find out you can't do that because you have to be licensed by the state to be a teacher. Right. So now, knowing that path, and you know this is based on our first survey that went out went to only about 50,000 people. But so we have 50,000 points of data saying, this is where to go. And so now, when I go to uh, school choice rallies, people who aren't necessarily libertarians, I give them the people for liberty stuff and say, you know, we've got a great school choice section. You've got to see our stuff, read our newsletter. I give them school choice information and then the third email or so, I'm going to send them something about occupational licensing because I know that's the path. And I get all these people who, you know, they are liberty on one issue but they consider themselves Republican or Democrat or whatever. But if I get them to consider themselves liberty on two issues, then they start thinking, well, maybe I'm a liberty person first before I'm a Republican or a Democrat or anything else. And that's the window that we want to move, and we want to do it through data. Well, and, then, and then, okay, and it's actual problems that people are facing right now. It's not, 
Yeah, well, ending the Fed's important, but right. but you don't you don't go around knocking doors and be like, you want to end the Federal Reserve, and they're like, well, what's the Federal Reserve? It's things that are are affecting people to right now, like this very moment, and I think that that's so crucial to uh, actually getting more people into the liberty movement where they're going to ask questions about the Fed at three months in because that's all it's going to take. Yeah, and one of the critical <laughs> things about it is that if you ask them, if you ask them people will tell you what they want you to tell them. The problem is that most times a lot of libertarians will say, I know what I need to tell you. You need to listen to me. And th that's not how you communicate. Communication is about listening first. And we need to do more of that, of listening to the people who are out there, finding what the keys are that indicates that somebody is a liberty person in the yep. first place, and then give them the messaging that is going to work. Because if you hang out with liberty-minded people. And I, I've stopped using the word libertarian in terms of a lot of stuff we do because aside from all the other stuff we're going to talk about later, there's a lot of gatekeeping in that word. The idea that the libertarian libertarianism is owned by the libertarian party. I was executive director of the party. I don't want us to own the word libertarianism. I don't want us to own the word libertarian. Whatever it is, we need a way to indicate that there's something in terms of people owning their own lives that is inherent to them that shouldn't belong to a political party as an ideology. No, yeah. We are a liberty-minded podcast. We don't have the word libertarian on the, on the right. thing. So we've, we've pretty much done the same thing. And I don't want to talk about, oh, we put small L, not big L, or it's a big L, not a small, because no one cares about that stuff, really, right. other than libertarians, because we're very focused on finding all the little things that we could possibly fight about and nitpick exactly. over and, and all of that. Now, I do, so. I do want to empathize or with the liberty-minded folks in the fact that the reason why, I can, I'll say we, the reason why we want to tell people things is because we are right. Sure. We, we have the facts <laughs> on our side. We have the truth. But the problem with that is, and see, this is where I think, I think the, the liberty movement is shifting into the correct messaging platform of understanding communication, which is if you, <laughs> when you go up and tell somebody how right you are, they don't care whether or not you're right. Right. They're pissed off at the arrogance, and now they're not going to listen to you anymore. And they just want to defend their position. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I want to come from the understanding, talking to liberty people here, that is like, look, I understand why you're, why you're arrogant. It's because you are right. <laughs> However, we need to shift that focus into understanding the, the people first before we shove our rightness down their throats. Well, and the interesting thing about it is that for a lot of libertarians, they get that first part of saying, you know, I, I can't come across as arrogant as saying that I'm right. So let me lead by saying, I am the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And that's why. <laughs> yeah. And so, but you, you know, you're 100% right. There is a, um, there's a great idea about campaigning where the very first thing you should do is ask somebody a question and let them tell you what they want to say, what they're going to hear. And actually there was a great example of that in uh, one of the campaigns that the Libertarian, Libertarian Party won in Wyoming six months before they even started campaigning, they did a door-to-door -door opinion survey. What are the top five issues in the election coming up for you? No right answer, no wrong answer, anything like that. But then, when the campaign started, the candidate went and knocked on the doors and said, hey, let me talk about this with you, let me talk about this with you. Because they tell you, people will tell you what they want to hear. And that's how we bring it, and you're 100% right. The liberty issue for most people is not what the Libertarian Party is talking about. And the thing is, we think that there are certain issues that we're obviously going to win on because we're the best. You know what? We are the best on the Second Amendment, right? Republicans do red flag laws and stuff like that. 
we're not going to make any progress with most people talking about the Second Amendment. Because as far as they're concerned, either the Republican Party is doing a good job of defending it, or they hate guns. We just got to accept the fact that that's not a winning issue for us, even though we're super right on it. Mm. Cannabis. Okay, cannabis is an issue where we actually can make progress because we moved the window. Some people might not like it, but even when, like in red states, we talk about cannabis in Tennessee, and you know we're lucky to hear that uh, Cole Ebel's company, Cumberland Cannabis, I believe it's called, is uh, sponsoring right. the LP Tennessee. Shout out to Cumberland Cannabis. Uh, they're making progress even in a red state because they know how to talk about cannabis with the people who are here. They know how to... They've been listening for a long time because they're market-driven, right? They're actually selling a product. We have to be market-driven in our approach to politics. How do we sell what our message is? And you don't sell anybody by saying, oh, you should buy a Pontiac. You sell by saying, well, what do you want? Oh, you want a car that will take you to school, pick up the kids, but also is a little fun to drive. Let me tell you about the Trans Am. It'll keep you <laughs> safe. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, yeah. You know, those things that you're scared about, you know, all the problems in your life? This right here is going to actually solve those problems right there in your life. Right. Uh, so we talked a, a little bit about the Libertarian Party over the weekend. And, you know, la last night I heard it described as there is a couple factions. There's uh, the pragmatists and the radicals. And just to just to preface, Charlie and I don't really get into all of this, uh, all of this stuff. The politics I, of the politics. Of the, yeah, <laughs> politics of politics. That's good. We're, we've just always steered clear of all of that because I really want, I really think that we all have enough in common that we could work towards some common goals and maybe there's a little so. bit of cart before the horse stuff going on right. sometimes. Um, but where do you come? Where would you come down on? Should we be pragmatic? Should we just be? Well, I don't think it should be any of those things. But what has happened is, you know, uh, there's a famous story. Somebody asked John Dillinger why he robbed banks, and he said, because that's where the money is. So the fact of the matter is, is that the Libertarian Party has political power right now, even though like it's incredibly frustrating, and we look at it, and there's money right now. They have just finished. Uh, their most successful off-presidential year in fundraising ever. The national, you're talking about the national, national party, okay. yep. Uh, 2021, traditionally the Libertarian Party fundraising is a four-year cycle. The presidential year is the best, the year afterwards is the worst. So the fact that they just finished one of their best fundraising years immediately after a presidential year is an astonishing result. So the thing is, with all this money, and when I say all this money, I'm only talking like about $2.4 million budget, uh, with all this money, but also electoral success and things like that, there are people who want to control that, which is incredibly unlibertarian. But there are people who look at what the Libertarian Party did, and specifically over the last two years, and say, you know, the Libertarian Party didn't do enough to oppose mask mandates. The Libertarian Party didn't do enough to talk about freedom during COVID. The argument that I would make is that people who are saying that why weren't they doing the thing that they wanted to see? Why weren't there the change? Because if you want to organize a group against mask mandates, there's not a shortage of great places out there. Mm. Okay? If you want to get involved and talk about individual freedoms, you want to talk about you know, the wrongness of requiring vaccinations, there are lots of places that you can do that. And the thing is that if you do it and you're successful, you can have the party follow you. The Libertarian Party has a history of not leading because 
we're not an authoritarian organization. We don't want to shepherd people that people aren't sheep. What we do, though, is that we, as a party, we see the liberty forces that are gaining traction, and those are the ones that we put a lot of effort into. And so, you know, during COVID, Joe Jorgensen had, uh, or the Jorgensen campaign, had like 170 public events that people could come to. Joe Biden had four. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how we could be more, if you'll forgive the phrase, in people's face about saying that we should be able to publicly assemble, which is what we're talking about with our fundamental rights. So that aspect of it, that's where the split is. Why is the split there? Because there's money and there's power. The problem is, is that the people who end up leading the Libertarian Party, the people who have done the best job, are the people who have proven themselves successful already. And so people can complain about Gary Johnson's candidacy. Gary Johnson was a two-term governor. People can complain about Bill Weld's candidacy. Bill Weld got 77% of the vote when he ran for governor in a state that is 67% Democrats. Okay, that is success. There are people who are running now who say they want to take over because they don't like what the party is doing, who have not demonstrated any success at all. And the thing is, there is, uh, if you focus on just one thing, and people are trying to be broader, do broader things, you can probably win against them in this one thing. And so right now, there's a group that is focused on winning the internal libertarian election. That's all they want to do. And because that's all they want to do, and they have a laser focus, they're being very successful at it. We just, right here at LP Tennessee, you saw a sweep of delegates, all members of a caucus. I actually didn't see how it turned out. So we yeah, were, I, I don't we know what the vote is. Yeah. 100% Mises Caucus delegates, um, I believe. That, I, I wasn't there, but that's what people reported to me. So the interesting thing about that is, are those the people who are going to represent the party the best? Or are they going to accomplish a mission? I mean, if we thought that you could, uh, you know, Tennessee is a great example. Uh, you guys, I'm guessing it's nine, uh, nine House seats. I'm going to guess you get, send seven Republicans and two Democrats because uh, Nashville is certainly going to go Democrat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that breakup is better than if the whole state, you know, just sent, uh, but you probably have, Marsha Blackburn's your senator, right? Mm -hmm. You have two Republican senators. But the breakup of having representative groups is, I think, better for the process. We're looking at uh, people are block voting now, regardless of what the candidate looks like, because they're involved, they believe in the cause. I don't believe that there's any cause that is so important that you don't care who the candidate is. And, you know, I'll give you an example. There's a candidate running for governor in New Hampshire who is uh, worse than a Holocaust denier. Uh, her statement was that uh, Jewish people chose to die in the Holocaust. And that person is running as the gubernatorial candidate for the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. I believe that that damages the brand. I don't care what caucus they're in. I think that there has to be a point in time at which we say, no. I don't care what your support is. And the other thing about caucus politics is it plays into this idea, and libertarians are more immune to this than other groups, but that having the largest group allows you to set the rules. You know what? Tyranny of majority is still tyranny. Mm. That's true. Now, I have to ask you, is the, the, are there different 
see, I, I'm, I'm ignorant of this kind of stuff. Are there different caucuses within the Republican and Democrat Party as well? I mean, I know of like the Liberty Caucus, right? Yeah. Is there a Liberty Caucus that... I had no idea. Or the Freedom Caucus? Right. What did Freedom, Rand Paul yeah. just got kicked out of? Did he just get kicked out of it? I don't know if he got kicked out. There was the Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus. Uh, and, you know, obviously, Justin Amash was a member of that for a long time. Thomas Massey. Right. Uh, I, I actually believe Marsha Blackburn is in on the Senate side of it. That's the only one I know of. Are there um, others? Uh, sure. It, I, I'm sure there are. Oh, you mean other caucuses? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is, there's the squad on the Democratic side, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's uh, a real... That's a real thing. Yeah, I mean, they. they I'm, being, I'm being genuine here. I, I'm being completely serious too. I mean, they vote together. I mean, they're, they're okay. the Sanders delegation. Right? Okay. Uh, now, I mean, Bernie Sanders is you know, a fascinating guy. Uh, he doesn't make any. He doesn't hide who he is. Bernie Sanders is a legitimate socialist. Guy, mm-hmm. he wants to achieve socialistic goals. The members of the House who support him and he supports, they have that same idea. They want the government to control the means of production. They vote that way, right? Zayana Presley, uh, uh, Rashid Tlaib, uh, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, and Ilhar Oman. They are, they are a squad, and they believe that they're going to do better in the midterms because they think that uh, you know, they represent the extreme of the party, but the center is getting picked off by Republicans who have been moving over there, and so yeah. they're going to do a better job and win more seats because of that. I don't know if that's true or what, if that's going to happen, but there are different caucuses within other political parties. Okay. And more often than not, they're focused around individual personalities. Like, uh, you know, I mean, you'd have to say the Trump group is actually a caucus on its own. And then there's the anti-Trump mm. group as well in the Republican Party. They don't label themselves as caucuses. They say, I'm a never-Trumper or yeah. something like that. But there is that split within the other parties. Yeah, I just, um, I wonder... You know, like I said, we don't follow all this stuff, but are there any legitimate concerns that uh, some of the other caucuses uh, from the Libertarian Party have? Are they are they any legitimate things that they're upset about, you would say? I, I mean, yeah, I would say that, you know, there are, you know, you, you look at the stuff that's been coming out of New Hampshire. There's no question that a lot of that stuff is unbelievably offensive. So the New Hampshire Libertarian Party tweeted, uh, say a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, uh, America has done more for black people than black people have ever done for America. That's the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire with their blue check mark putting that out there, saying this is what libertarians think. I think that is a legitimate concern that the brand is being damaged. Yep. And, you know, here we are. We have an amazing candidate running for uh, governor in Tennessee right now. Uh, LaMichael Simpson? Williams, I think. Williams, Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I met him today for the first time guy blew me away unbelievable african-american candidate running in tennessee espousing libertarian principles that's what we want that's the message okay and here we have people making statements that you know i would say 10 out of 10 black people are going to find offensive and i hope nine out of 10 white people are going to find offensive (laughs) i definitely don't see the uh I don't see the reason for posting anything like that. I'll, I'll say that. And we've, we've actually uh, talked about some of the posts from that account before on our, on our show that, that we just thought were pretty harmful to the brand overall. Well, anyone, I mean, we thought there's been some posts from the Libertarian Party of Tennessee before, you know, a few years ago. I'm uh, sure. It might have been Texas that we, that we talked about, too. I don't remember LPTN, but um, not, not real sure. I, I, think, I think so, but it was, it was like three or four years ago. 
And there were things. So there were things that you know I was upset about that we've talked about on the show yeah. since you know 2016. I feel like we've missed uh, some opportunity. I say we, even though I'm not a part of the party. Um, I might be soon, though. Well, and, and I would encourage you to do so because yeah. standing up and becoming a member of the party is saying I value intellectual uh, discussions. I value the idea that there are more than you know one side to an issue. That underneath it all. And the thing that's different be- about us and about libertarianism is that underneath it all is an opposition to authority. You mm-hmm. get to run your life more than anything else, more than anybody else. And the problem is that when we talk about, you know, block voting, mm-hmm. that is authoritarian. Yeah. Fundamentally. And the idea we say the ends justify the means, that's an authoritarian statement. Right? I mean, you talk about most of policing in the United States right now, that is an ends justifying the means uh, solution, when in reality... What, the only thing, the only legitimate purpose of government is the defense of people's rights. The idea that might doesn't make right. That a tyranny of the majority shouldn't be allowed to say that, you know, there's a, uh, a very famous quote, uh, democracy has to be more than two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. Mm-hmm. That idea we have to defend. And so we're the only party that believes that. Okay? Mm-hmm. Republicans believe that if they're in charge, they should get to make the rules. Democrats believe that if they're in charge, they should get to make the rules. The idea that any other party stands for the idea that, you know what, we shouldn't do everything that we can do. Libertarians are the only ones who say, I want to get elected to protect you from my opinion, not to inflict it upon you. And so that is a proud statement. If you, know, it's not, if you don't want to support the party right now because you think things are unsettled, or you see messaging that's not appropriate, that's okay. Vote yeah. for libertarian candidates. Vote for liberty candidates. I am happy to say that, you know, I have in the past voted for liberty candidates when there was no libertarian in the race. I'm not opposed to saying, you know what, that's the best I'm going to get. This person who is pro-cannabis, that makes them better than the anti-cannabis candidate running in the other race. Uh, when we get a chance to make those choices, that's an important thing. I don't want the libertarian party to go away because it represents candidates like that most i do think it's important and uh, libertarians uh, big old libertarians won't like it as much really but that we consider voting uh, for people who aren't libertarians at times when it's a uh, that it's very important when there's a viable liberty candidate that's running with an r next to their name i mean geez everyone talks about ron paul all the time and the guy won as a republican he was a republican congressman he was a republican presidential candidate so you can't tell me it's not important to have people run other under other major parties also i think that we've all got to get focused on what is the goal here what's the end goal that we want to see Maybe we're going to get on the train and get off on different stops on the way there, you know, but what's the end goal? You can get off and start fighting this person afterwards, but surely we can all get on this and ride together for a little bit. Let's get out of the station before having a knife fight in the bar car, <laughs> because that's where we are right now. And it, that's true. Is, it is so critical to understand that. I, I mean, I am happy to say that, you know, for me, voting is a First Amendment thing. It is the political expression of speech. And so I want to exercise my speech as much as I can. I don't like the fact that it's limited and that I don't necessarily get candidates I want to vote for all the time. But I am going to try to vote for the candidate that often I'll vote for the candidate who will do the least harm. So there's a lot of times in Massachusetts where uh, Massachusetts, you know, it's a super blue state. Republicans don't run 
candidates in 90% of the races in Massachusetts. In fact, one of my favorite statistics was the incumbents in Massachusetts are elected at a higher rate than incumbents in Iran. <laughs> so in that situation, I would often vote uh, for the candidate that I thought was the best liberty candidate. And sometimes that meant that, you know, a lot, most of the time where I lived, there was never a Republican candidate running. I was an independent, so I would vote in the Democratic primary. And I would vote for the Democrat that I thought was the most pro-liberty candidate. Because even if your candidate doesn't win, the one thing that Republicans and Democrats are awesome at is counting all the votes. And so if they look and they see a pro-cannabis candidate got 45% of the vote, they're going to say, how, how do we make sure that we get those votes next time? Yeah. And what happened is that now Massachusetts legalized cannabis because the Democratic Party got behind it because some Democratic candidates in the primaries started doing well against incumbents. That's kind of the the competition aspect of it that I think is really important. And it also, when you mentioned, you know, the, the sweep of all the delegates here, too, I do, I do still think it's valuable to have people with differing opinions uh, in there because, it, if anything, it'll make you better. It'll make you uh, more likely to try to keep your job by doing a good job at your job. And uh, I also think we're, we need to see ourselves as a viable way to push... Republican Party in the right direction sometimes by that by that competition. They want the votes. They need to be worried about a libertarian candidate in there. Why are people going to vote for that person? Well, maybe I should do one of those things and get some of their votes, you know. Hey, that doesn't necessarily get a libertarian elected, but it might also move us in the right direction. Right. And, and that's, you know, the critical thing about it, I, I would love to see a libertarian president elected in my lifetime. But I'm 54. <laughs> I have realistic... Uh, expectation about it. I'm 54 and I drink. So I have a realistic <laughs> expectation of whether or not that's going to happen. But I think that we can move the conversation in the country. And if I plug it a little bit, this goes to back to what I was talking about with people for liberty and what we're doing is finding a way to grow liberty itself in the country. You know, one of the phrases that I like to use is that, you know, people always talk about the spark of liberty. Okay. The spark doesn't go anywhere without Tinder. And for all you kids out there, Tinder is not just a dating app. It's a way to start. But so what Back we in have the day, to, we, we used it to start fires. Exactly right. And so what we have to do, if we want that spark to catch fire, we have to be doing all this work at the grassroots level, at the ground level, getting people prepared to hear the idea of liberty. Because we're working against conditioning from the Republican and Democratic parties who have told people, no, don't hear that stuff. Those people are going to try to persuade you to waste your vote by not voting for us. But that's wasting your vote, when in reality, if you're voting for your own personal liberty, you're never wasting your vote. And even if your candidate doesn't win, what we talked about, the Republicans and Democrats are going to come back and figure out how to get that vote. And if they can get that vote by being a little more liberty, then we've done what we need to do without even winning the election. I, I really wish everyone would, would, uh, would figure that out. I just, I just think that we, we can focus on uh, some strategy, I think, would be pretty important and realizing what it is that we're actually trying to do and what the goals are and what's the short-term goals and what's the long-term goals, you know. Well, to a, make people as free as humanly possible yeah. so they can live the best lives humanly possible. Well, yeah, I, don't care, I don't care uh, if a libertarian ever wins another election if we get libertarianism out of another party. I couldn't care less. I, I agree with that 100%. And, and it's, not even, it's not even the parties that I want to have that change happen in. I want the people to realize that liberty shouldn't be political. You doing your thing shouldn't be something that politics has anything to do with. Right? The purpose of government 
isn't to improve society. That is not the purpose of government. The purpose of government is to allow us to live our lives and in that process potentially improve society. But let us do that. Let us have that freedom. And that is a critical element along the way, is making sure that uh, we, uh, we protect that element of liberty. Our fan club is here. So what are we? Uh, so what are we going to do? What's the party going to look like moving forward? What's the next things that are going to happen here? I mean, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I, I don't know. Uh, I I suspect that you're going to see a dramatic change in the leadership of the party, and that is going to. I mean, the thing about it is, is that who knows? Maybe that will be the best possible thing for the movement. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to see the party that I worked so hard to. Uh, support change track so radically. I don't want to see people called names. I don't want to see people made uncomfortable by bold messaging. On the other hand, uh, if what happens is that the core of the liberty movement that I will argue has been unbelievably successful considering what we've done and where we've gone, if the core of that liberty movement says, you know what, we need to find another way, we need to get outside of the party and advance liberty, that's what I'm doing right now. I can honestly say that I think I have done more in one year with People for Liberty to advance the cause of liberty than I did in 10 years as an active libertarian. And I say that having run an incredibly successful campaign in Massachusetts, being endorsed by the Boston Globe, all that stuff. And that was great, but I was playing within the guidelines of the party rules. And now that I'm outside of that, and I see the number of people who have been alienated by stuff that libertarians have told them oh, well, you're wrong, you're bad, we are the smartest people in the room. I see that we have lost our way on that, that we have lost our way on messaging. I do believe that there are some core messages that the liberty movement needs to embrace. We have to stand up against bigotry. Uh, there was a great uh, social media comment the other day where somebody said, you know what, if you were at a party and somebody starts waving a Nazi flag and they don't immediately get tackled and kick out of the, kicked out, you're at a Nazi party. <laughs> and that's true. There are some things that we cannot stand, that we must confront immediately and speak against. On the other hand, if there's somebody who says, you know what, I'm not down with the whole open borders thing. I think there's a reason why we need to secure the border, stuff like that. Don't kick them out. Don't tell them they can't be member a liberty person because there can be some dispute on that. There are a lot of things that, uh, you know, I, I'll give you another example. I know some liberty people who think that, you know what, the government does have a right to put in a vaccine mandate. I am completely against that. I believe in bodily autonomy. Mm -hmm. I think nobody puts anything into your body without your permission. But I'm not going to kick that person out because they think this is such an important thing. They think that it's life or death. Fortunately, they don't have the votes to get what they want. But we have to draw that line. In terms that was of, my wife, and I didn't divorce her. Yeah. <laughs> so. That was a wise thing. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, listen, where can people go to get involved with People for Liberty? Are you, do you need any more people helping out over there? Or we, what's, what's we, going on? we definitely do, and we got a couple exciting things coming up. So uh, we are going to be at Bitcoin Miami uh, first week in April. Uh, we are presenting there uh, both on pitch day. We are making a pitch that uh, Bitcoin people should be invested in the liberty movement. Because otherwise, you know, just saw Joe Biden make this executive order saying that the government should shut down cryptocurrency. 
Okay, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So they should be invested. Now, no one's talking about, by the way, yeah, it, which this is entire executive branch regulation on cryptocurrency and digital assets that is just completely flying under the radar of mainstream media. Exactly. Well, I, I will say that there are one people to talk about it. We're making our pitch at Bitcoin about that, and we yeah. believe it's a really big deal. Um, we also have a big project coming out soon. I will tell you the name of it is the Home for Liberty, or just Home for Liberty. Uh, launching in the next month. Now, be sure to now come do the announcement interview on uh, Good Morning Liberty. There we go. But yeah. we are excited about the stuff that's going on. We can always use people to help us out. People for Liberty, that's the number four, peopleforliberty.org. Please sign up, read some of the articles. Uh, we just got a new chair. Judge Jim Gray is the chair now. Uh, and he's been doing an amazing job. So we are excited to change the liberty landscape. Rather than saying that, you know, liberty is an idea that belongs to one party, we believe that liberty belongs to the people. We are the people for liberty. Amen. That, uh, you can't end it any better than that right there. So, Dan, thanks a lot for your time today. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure, guys.